Good morning, everyone. Thanks, hey, Al. It's working. <laughs> great. Uh, great to be with you again, and uh, good to see so many faces. And uh, great that we can keep working through Colossians. We're not going to quite get to the end of Colossians this morning, so it'd be great to come back the week after Easter, and we'll have a go at finishing it off. Um, but really, really good bit to be thinking about here at the end of chapter 3. But before we look at Colossians, um, just hope you're keeping yourself busy. Hope you've been finding things to do at home. At our place, we've got a great big box of kind of uh, all recyclable materials, and our kids have been doing all sorts of creative craft with them. But I wanted to show you one craft uh, that I've done with some recyclable stuff this week, and that is this. Doesn't look very impressive, but this is a funnel that I made with a, an old soft drink bottle, and it's useful for us in help, helping to get a bit of a picture of what's happening in Colossians chapter 3. So, you know, with a funnel, it starts off broad at the top, and the further you go down, it gets narrower and narrower. That's a lot like Colossians 3. So right back at the start of the chapter, hopefully you'll remember, we thought about this broad idea that we have a new life in Christ. And what that new life looks like is not thinking about earthly things, but thinking about the things above. And as we've gone through Colossians 3, we've kind of narrowed that down and got more and more specific. So we thought about things that we might put to death a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we thought about things we might clothe ourselves with, uh, love and patience and forgiveness, those kinds of things. But this week, we're right down the bottom of the funnel, really, really specific. And we're going to be thinking about uh, what does it look like for us to live this new life in a marriage? What does it look like for us to live this new life in a family with parents and children? And what does it look like for us to live this new life at work? Three specific areas of life where we need to live out our new life as God's chosen people, those who are in Christ. And where Paul starts in verse 18 is, what does it look like for us to live this new life in a marriage? And he starts with wives. So have a look again at verse 18. This is what Paul says. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So if you're a wife... What it looks like for you to live out this new life in your marriage is to submit to your husband. And really that full verse is helpful in helping us to think about what that actually means because Paul says, as is fitting in the Lord. That's a reminder that God's the one who made marriage. He designed it. And the way that he made marriage was to have a certain order to it. In other words, the husband is kind of the head of the family, the one who has a position or a role of authority in the marriage and so for wives to submit to their husbands is to recognize that order that God made in marriage, to respect their husbands, to respect the authority that they have and to submit to them. And so what might that look like to live out that, that way of living, to submit to our husbands? Well, it could be that at the moment, uh, Easter's coming up, it could be that your husband's thinking through, maybe he had some holidays planned and he's deciding whether or not perhaps to cancel those family holidays. And that could be disappointing for you. Paul would say, wives, submit to your husbands. Or perhaps your husband is making decisions about how to discipline the children and how to train them, decisions that you might necessarily, not necessarily make yourself. Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands. Or it could be that your husband is thinking about spending money in ways that you don't necessarily agree with and maybe you think it's a bit of a waste of money or frivolous even. Paul says, wives, Submit to your husbands. But of course, he doesn't just address wives, does he? In the very next verse, Paul goes on to address husbands. And he says, Husbands, love your wives 
and do not be harsh with them. And so, husbands, if you're thinking about what to do about holidays, perhaps over Easter time, Paul's encouragement is, as one of God's chosen people, love your wives in that. Consider your wives. Treasure them and think about what's going to be best for them. Is it worth taking leave, even though you don't want to, so that you can help your wife in this time? Or perhaps as you're thinking about how to discipline the children and you think you've got one path in mind, Paul says, love your wife and make sure you think about that. How, how can you set up disciplining your children in a way that's useful for your wife, helpful for her? How, how can you lead her in disciplining the kids in a wise and sensible way? Or perhaps as you think about the future and what that holds for your family, make sure you're loving your wife in that. Be considerate of her. And perhaps especially as we come home from work and maybe the tendency is to feel like this is a time for me to be waited on, Paul's encouragement is, as God's chosen people, love your wife. Perhaps especially if she's been at home with young kids for the day, how can you consider her first? How can you treasure her and make sure you're caring for her? That's kind of what it might look like for us to live this new life in our marriage. But what would it look like if we were living in the old way of life still? Well, probably it would look like things like wives becoming actually frustrated with their husbands, annoyed by the decisions they're making, and voicing those frustrations, perhaps even undermining their husband's authority. And on the flip side, for husbands, it would look like becoming really annoyed by that and, and making our anger and our frustration. No, perhaps even worst case scenario, using our authority to force our wives to submit. Now, if we get stuck in that kind of old way of living, how do we get out of that? Paul says, remember the funnel. We're down here in the specifics, but remember the broad principle up the top here? We've died to that old way of living. We've been raised with Christ. We have a new life in Christ. We are God's chosen people. Whatever we do in word or in deed, we're doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so for wives, that means submit to your husbands. And husbands, that means love your wives. So that's one of the specific areas in marriage. The next one Paul addresses is, what does it look like for us to live this new life in the specific area of family, children and parents? Well, have a look at verse 20. Paul starts by addressing children. This is what he says. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, Roger already helped us to think about this, but children, if you're tuning in today, the specific way for you to live out this new life in Christ, what it means for you to live as God's chosen people is to obey your parents. Like that lamb who hears its mother's call and comes running and does what the mother asks, that's what Paul's talking about here. For children in God's family, we listen to our parents and do what they say. And so that could mean the next time, maybe later today, when mum or dad asks you to tidy your room, Listen to them and do what they say. Children, obey your parents in everything. Or maybe when they ask you to get off the TV or to shut the computer down, Paul says, children, obey your parents in everything. Listen to them, respect them, do what they say. Or maybe when they're asking you to try and get that schoolwork done in the next few days at home, Paul says, obey your parents, listen to them and do what they say. That's what it looks like for us as children, to be living out this new life in Christ. But again, just like he did in marriage, there's a flip side to this, and Paul doesn't just address children. He addresses 
parents as well, and specifically fathers in this case. This is what he says, verse 21. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Now, I've actually, sadly, and to my shame, got a real example of this from this week at home. Uh, I went outside to hang out some washing on the line, and one of my children came to help me. But pretty quickly, it became evident that their help actually wasn't really that helpful. But I let my frustration at that uh, come out in my words. I told them that I was annoyed and frustrated, and I think they were embittered by that. And they were obviously discouraged. And what happened was they went away and they left and they didn't help anymore. And we missed out on having that opportunity to do something together. Paul's saying here to parents and especially to fathers, don't do that. Don't embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. Now, of course, particularly at the moment when there's so many of us stuck at home together and things like that, as parents, we need to be disciplining our children. We need to be correcting them. We need to be training them. We need to be showing them the right way to do things. But I wonder whether Paul's, uh, what Paul's suggesting here is make sure that's not all you're doing. Don't only correct. Don't only rebuke. Don't only discipline and show the right way. Make sure you encourage your children as well. Make sure you build them up. Don't embitter them or they'll become discouraged. And so... This week, perhaps the particular encouragement from Paul is for children, obey your parents, but parents, make sure you encourage your children as well. Now, if we were back in the old way of life, obviously what this would look like is, isn't it? Uh, children disregarding their parents, ignoring them, going off and doing their own thing, and parents getting frustrated by that and angry and letting that anger be known. And we just get stuck in this cycle of disobedience and bitterness and anger and what's the way to get out of that cycle? Well, again, it's back to the funnel. Get out of this specificness, back to the broad principle at the top. We have died to that old way of life. We have a new life in Christ. We've been raised with Christ. He is our life. We're God's chosen people. And that means whatever we do in word or in deed, we're doing it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so specifically for children, that means obeying your parents. And parents, it means not embittering your children encourage them. Now, Paul taps into one final specific area for us to be living out this new life in Christ, and that is at work. Uh, he talks about slaves and masters, although really a better way of, uh, for us to think about that perhaps is employees and employers. Let's have a look at what he says there, verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So Paul says, what does it look like for us to live this new life at work? Well, if you're an employee, if you work for someone else, what it looks like is to do what your boss says to work hard, to work with sincerity of heart, to do your work not just when you're being watched, not just so people will think well of you, but to work as though you're working for the Lord himself. And this might be particularly relevant for some of us at the moment. If, for example, you're working from home now, 
It would be really easy if we were living in the old way of life to perhaps take things easy, have an extra long lunch, maybe clock on a bit late, clock off a bit early. But Paul says, as employees, as God's chosen people, as those who have a new life in Christ, that's not to be us. We're to work as though we're working for the Lord himself, with sincerity of heart, doing all that our, our bosses ask of us. And similarly, for masters, in chapter 4, verse 1, for bosses, uh, Paul says, provide your slaves or provide your employees with what is right and fair. Pay what you've said you'll pay. Be honest. Uh, provide your masters with what is right. And again, if we're living in the old way of life, it's easy to see where this ends up, isn't it? As employees, we're slacking off. We're taking extra time. We're being dishonest, perhaps, about how much we've worked. And masters may be ripping off their employees, not paying them the overtime that they're owed, for example, working them harder than they should. And again, Paul says, the way to get out of that is to remember that we have died to that old way of life. We have a new life in Christ. We are God's chosen people. Whatever we're doing, we're doing it in the name of Jesus. And so employees, do what your bosses ask, work at it with all your heart, and bosses pay what is right and fair. Now, at the risk of sounding like this is all kind of a bunch of rules and we should just be working harder to do better, that's not really what's going on here. Paul is saying this is just working out our new life in Christ. We already have a new life in him. We've put off the old self and we've put on the new self. That's what he says back in verse 9. Have a look there. You have already taken off your old self with its practices. Verse 10, and have put on the new self. So we've already got this new life in Christ. We've taken off the old self. We've put on the new. We're trying to live that out now. But here's the best bit. Verse 10, you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So notice the words there. It's not that we are renewing ourself in the image of our creator but our new self the the who we are now in christ we are being renewed in the image of our creator jesus the delightful thing in all this is that as we struggle and strive to live out our new life in christ god himself is working in us and through us to renew us to make us more like jesus so as we as wives try to submit to their husbands, as husbands try and love their wives, as children work hard to obey their parents and as parents work hard to encourage and not embitter their kids, as employees try and obey their bosses and work with all their heart, as, uh, as employers work hard to do what is right and fair, will we make mistakes? Absolutely we'll make mistakes. But the delightful thing here is that God himself is working in us, renewing us to make us more like Jesus. So perhaps the best thing we can be doing for each other is praying for each other that God would go on making us more like Christ in all these ways, to live out this new life in Christ, to do all things in the name of our Lord. Let me pray for us that we do that now. Heavenly Father, thanks so much that you have rescued us out of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of your Son, that even when we were your enemies, 
Jesus reconciled us to you so we can have peace with you. Thank you that we have a new life in him. Please help us to actually live out that new life, to live in ways that are appropriate with being your chosen people. And so for those of us who are, who are wives, please help them to submit to their husbands. And for, and for husbands, help us please to love our wives. For children, please help them to submit to their parents. And for parents, and especially fathers, help us to not embitter our children, but to encourage them. And for those of us who work, help us to obey our bosses, to work at it with all our heart. And for those of us who are bosses over others and employers, help us please to do what is right and fair. In all these things, Father, we want to do, thing, we want to do all those things in the name of Jesus, as though he was speaking and acting through us. Most of all, Father, we pray that you would do what you say there in verse 10, that you yourself would be renewing us in the image of Jesus. Make us more like him for his glory and honour, please. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.